Get up. If you've been on a night shift, I know you're tired. I've been there. Just shake your legs, shake your legs, because God is about to take us through a moment right now. And I want you to turn to your neighbor, tell them they look good. Speak, speak some sweetness to your neighbors. Okay, speak some sweet, sweet words to your neighbors. All right, and before we go into this word, there's a few people, there's a, there's a few things I want us to briefly do before we start. Um, whilst we, if we stay up standing, it's only take a few moments. But um, we are not here just for the sake of it. We're not here just for the sake of a performance. We're here because God made it so. Amen. See, the Holy Spirit, he's like, I'm here. He's making himself known. Right. But before we start anything, there are a few people that I want to acknowledge. And I would like for the church to, 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 to do this, to have this moment with me. First of all, I would like us to thank our pastor. Right at the back there. Man of God who wears so many hats. And I will tell you one thing. I have never preached in my life like to, to, a, big, to a big group. And pastor, I see you. Because as I'm standing here, if I tell you I'm not nervous, but God is good. I would also like to thank Minister Mary, who is the leader of our youth. Hallelujah. I would also like to thank Minister Mary, who has been leading us. This, this youth service, we've been planning youth service since before covid but then COVID happened, and then I was trying to get everyone together. But we thank God for her prayers. We thank God for their leadership. We'd also like to give a big thank you to the leaders of the church for giving us this opportunity. We want to thank them for giving us this opportunity because we don't just stand here just by our own. We didn't just get up and just say, we're doing your service today. Sit down. No, we, we, we had to... That we, it was through their prayers, through their support that we are here. And I would also like to say a big thank you to the parents. Big thank you. We've been, we've been committing to five weeks. Five, five weeks worth of practice. All the young people getting here, some 9 a.m. up until 2, 2.45 p.m. They've been doing that consistently for the past five weeks. And it's through their support from their parents that they could be here. And I just want to thank you. We, we acknowledge you in this moment. I would also like to say a big thank you to our young people. Give them a clap because today I saw Aaron dance. Today I saw Aaron sing. Today I've heard Brian spoke more than I've ever heard him speak. Inkem, Obi, today is the most I've heard them speak. We want to thank our four leaders, Florence, Ivy. Ola, we want to thank each and every one of them, but most importantly, we want to thank God. We want to thank God for this moment. We want to thank Him for His grace. We want to thank Him for providing. We want to thank Him for ordaining this plan to be so, as we're talking in our theme, God's plan. And so before we go into the Word, I just want us to pray. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this afternoon. We want to thank you for this moment. We thank you, Father, for this day. 
We thank you that, Father, we are not just here by chance, but, Father, it is by your glory and it is by your grace that we are here. And so, Father, we commit this service into your hands, O Lord. As we go into your word, Father, as we, go, as we delve into, Father, what you have in store for us, O Lord, I commit myself into your hands, that, Father, I ask that there will be less of me, and, Father, there will be more of you. I ask that, Father, wherever I go to speak, Father, wherever I lack the vocabulary, Holy Spirit, I ask that may you speak on my behalf. I ask that, Father, as we go into this word, O Lord, Father, may minds be transformed. Father, may there be a newness, O Lord. Father, people that are here that are trusting you, that, Father, may you reveal your plans to them. And that, Father, at the end of it, all glory and honor shall be yours. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Shall we please be seated? Amen. Wow. Okay, so our theme... As you've already, I don't know, if, you've, if you don't already know, it's God's plan. If you, if you haven't seen it, just look on behind or someone wearing a white shirt, it's right there. So we're talking about God's plan. And my first question to us is, what is God's plan? The boys talked about it when they were doing their Bible study. And some people said God's plan for them is to be successful. Someone said God's plan is to spread the gospel. And before we leave here today, I want you to ask yourself what is God's plan for you and what does that look like but let's start with a definition of the word plan what is the, what is to plan something what does it mean to plan and throughout the English dictionary we see some, some you know the, the words like it's a decision it's when you arrange something when you design something when you think about something and what you're going to do to achieve that thing and that encompasses a whole plan and throughout scripture, I can say, from my, my um, learning, I've come to understand that throughout scripture, God always has a plan. God always, always has a plan. And so that leads me on to our, sermons, our sermon title, which is When God's Plan Lacks Logic. We've been talking about God's plan, God's plan, God's plan. But what do you do when God's plan just does not make any sense? Your situation is telling you one thing and God's plan is telling you the opposite. What do you do in that moment when God's plan lacks knowledge? So we'll start off by reading our scriptures right from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 6 to verse 8. In the beginning, there was a plan right from the story of creation. There's always been a plan. And it reads, he says, Genesis chapter 1, from the verse 6 to 8. Genesis chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. It says, And God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters, between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. Okay. In my translation, it says, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made a vault and separated water under the vault from under above it. And it was so. God called that vault the sky. And there was evening and there was morning as we know it today. Now, that's just one part of God's creation at the beginning. But there was always a plan. Imagine in the, in, the, in the world we're living in today where 
it's like God's plan is so intricate that he had to, he looked at his creation and he said, there's no way water and, 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 and there has to be something in between. So he created the sky. And today we can sit here and look up in the sky and tell it's cloudy, it's sunny, it's about to rain, it's about to snow. And for me, it, it goes, and you know, he goes on to create the world as we know it today. And we can sit back and look at his plan and understand it. But picture yourself at the beginning when Jesus was, was creating all of this. Picture yourself just being there in that moment, creating it with him. And he says, let me build a vault. What would be your first thought? What's the purpose of that vault? What, what's that going to do? What, why do we need to separate? Why do we need to bring something in between waters? It may not have made sense then, but it makes sense now. Because had he not done that, we would not be here today to be able to function in everyday life. But I've got one question for you. Who likes surprises? Anyone who likes surprises? Okay. I hate it. I don't like surprises. I will tell you that for free. I do not like surprises. The whole idea of someone... I I have to know. Even when it comes to reading a book... Or I'm watching, if you're watching a new series. How many people, when you're watching a new series and someone says, oh, let me tell you what happens, and you tell them, no, 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 no. How many people? Okay. And how many people like to know the ending before they watch it? I do, I do not like the, the suspense of waiting to find out. And that's what a lot of Christians are. That's, a lot, that's how a lot of Christians we are. We just want to know what hap- what's next. What's the answer? What's happening? But the thing is, the God that we serve, he doesn't work like that. He has a plan and it's very intricate. It's very detailed down to the finest, the most last detail. And today's sermon, I want to go through. My story takes place in the book of Judges. And we're going to learn about one man that we, we learned. It was one of the questions. And I, I promise you, I did not even know the questions they were going to ask today. So it was to my surprise when they asked this one question, I was like, First thing that came in my mind was, I'm talking about that. And we thank God for that. I want to talk about Gideon. Now, I was told I was going to be preaching the word right from four years ago. The last time, the last person to do it was Florence. And then after, there and then, I remember we were having a conversation. And they're like, Eugenia, you're next. And back then, I was in uni. And I thought, oh God, I knew what I was going to preach about. I knew what I was going to talk about. I was so fired up. I've just watched a sermon on TV and I so want to talk about that to everyone because I want to tell how I understand it. And throughout this year, throughout, throughout the last four years, till this day, I can tell you, this word did not come to me until three months ago. I was just on the train, on the underground. And... I don't know what it was, but all I could hear is the Gideon, Gideon, Gideon. And he's the one name in the, like one of the, one of the people in the Bible that I don't know the story. We all grew up in Sunday school. You know some of the stories in the Bible. You hear Joshua, you hear David, you knew David killed Goliath. You hear the stories, you hear Jesus, Jesus was born in the manger. But Gideon's story was just one that I didn't know about. And I tried to read it there and then on the train. I tried to read it. But have you tried reading the, the Old Testament? When you're hearing words like Midianites and Malachites, and it puts you off reading it. It really does put you off reading it. Because I'm reading this and I'm like, I cannot pronounce these words. And it's such a mouthful. And I left it. 
And then we started practicing again. I said, let me go back to Gideon because that's, that name still hadn't left me. All I kept hearing was Gideon, Gideon. I'm like, let me just go and find out who this Gideon person is for myself. So I went on YouTube and I started watching it because they'll break it down for you. And they did. And I got to understand this man's story. And there and then, I was like, we are talking about God's plan. And if God's plan has never made sense before, it's in the book of Gideon. It starts off, we'll just start from reading. We, we, before we meet, we meet Gideon, let's talk about our background stories. The, the, the um, Israelites were fleeing from persecution. And they had been, God had delivered them, God had sent them people to deliver them. But then it got to this point where the people of Israel had gone back on their promises to God. And in verse 1, we read that they did evil in God's eyes. So God put them in the hands of the Midianites. Now, to make all these big words a bit different, for me, if you start saying Midianites, Midianites, Amalekites, and all of this, it starts to confuse me. So it was through breaking it down, I realized the Midianites were their oppressors. Okay? So for me, I like to break things down to how it works in the now. So I'm like, okay, what's a Midianite to me? Picture yourself in the workplace, picture yourself in school. And you are under the thumb of a bully. You're under the thumb of a manager that does not appreciate you. Okay? Picture that. And these were the, these were the Midianites to, 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 the, to the people of Israel. The Midianites and the Amalekites took their crops. You know, they came to steal from the Israelites. Imagine you've done all the hard work in a group project. How many people have done a group project? And that one person that just never gets involved suddenly wants to claim all the, all the fame. I did that. Yes. They want to present it. This is what they were doing. The Israelites will go and, will go and harvest their crops and then the, the Midianites will come and steal it from them and they will ruin it and leave them with nothing. And then we hear about Gideon in the verse 6. So we'll read from Judges chapter 6 from the verse 6. It says, Median so impoverished the Israelites that they had cried out for help. They, they had cried out to the Lord for help. Okay? Sorry. I'm just going to open mine. Just bear with me. Okay. Judges chapter 6. From the verse 7. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of the Median... He sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hands of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I, the Lord your God, do not worship the gods of the Ammonites, in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. These people went against God. God told them, do not worship. It, it would be like God coming up to you and telling you, you're being bullied at work by these people. Why are you still trying to worship these people? Walk on, like, you, know, you, you look at them as if they walk on water. And that's what God was trying to tell these people. And then we meet Gideon. And in the verse 11, 
the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the yoke in the Ophrah that belonged to Joash. The, the Abbas, um, hmm, I told you these words, I can't pronounce them. The Abysrite, where his son Gideon was threshing heat, wheat in a wine spread, in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, let me tell you what that, let me just give you a clear picture of what that looks like. These people come and steal their crops. So much so, Gideon is threshing wheat in a place that is not inconvenient to do that. To thresh wheat, he needs an open field so that the wind can blow out the, the bad from the good. But he is having to put himself in a wine press in a very small, narrow environment to do this just so his enemies will not come and steal what he has and then the angel goes on the angel of the lord goes on to appear to Gideon and he says when the angel of the lord appeared to Gideon he said that the lord is with you mighty warrior let me read that again Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press because he's scared of his enemies. And now an angel of the Lord has come to him and calling him a mighty warrior. Think about that for a second. Think about yourselves. In your life, you know, you've been told you're not this, you're not passing this exam. And work, you're not, you're not thriving in work. And then God comes and calls you manager. You'll look, you will look at yourself and think, management? I can't even lead the team I'm under. I can't even, I can't even pass a simple maths exam. And you're calling me an A-star student. You're calling me manager. You're calling me leader of my family. In a family where no one has ever stepped foot in university before. And you're calling me a PhD graduate. That didn't make sense to him. Gideon, someone who was so scared. So scared of his enemies coming to steal from him. So much so, he hid just to do, so, so, so much that he hid in a way that he could, his work he was doing, he had to do it twice that amount. And the, and the angel comes and says, mighty warrior. If, who, who would be shocked if God starts calling you something that you know you're not? Hands up. I would. I would be shocked. Even Gideon himself even said, mighty warrior. Like, Huh? I'm hiding. How am I? I've never fought a battle in my life. And we see in the verse 15, Gideon answers this. He says, pardon? All the British people in the room, pardon? How many people do you hear? They're like, pardon? The young people, you ask someone, someone saying, what? Some of us, you say, huh? That's what he was saying. Gideon said, huh? Gideon said, I'm sorry, what? He says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. How many of us, you, you come from a family where they've never, no one has ever stepped foot in university before. No one has ever been successful before. And God is coming to you and telling you, you are going to get a PhD. You are going to open that business. You are going to get that 100% in that GCSE you've been studying for. You that are in the workplace, you've been oppressed. You do your work and your manager comes and steals your ideas and takes it to the senior, you know, CEO and says, it's my idea. You're never appreciated. You're never acknowledged. 
And God is telling you, you are management. You are a graduate. You are going to be the first one in your family to, 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 to finish university. You, in your whole family, you've had, you've had you know, a disease that's passed down. Diabetes, sickle cell. And God is telling you that you do not have sickle cell, even though genetics say you've got the genes for it. And this is what Gideon said. He said, I am the least in my family. And that's sad. And then he goes on to say, he goes on to say, and then the, Lord, the angel of the Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. And he said, God, how? He said, God, how? And we have been talking about God's plan. This is why, this is what I said at the beginning, where we look at God's creation right now and it makes sense because we're living in it. We're living in God's plan right now because back, had we been there when he was creating it in the beginning... We would have just been questioning like, huh? Pardon? I'm sorry, what? And today the message I'm trying to say is, what do you do when God's plan just doesn't make sense? It lacks, lo- it lacks logic. And Gideon felt this, and he's not the first person to feel this in the Bible. No, no, no. The big names that we call today, Moses felt it. In the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verse 11, when God called Moses to lead the Israelites in the first place, what did Moses say? He said, I can't do this. Moses said, God, who who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Moses did not feel qualified because that's what everyone had made him to feel. He did not feel qualified. And what did God say? God said to him, I will be with you. In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was called to be a prophet. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet. In Jeremiah 1 verse 6, he was scared. He was like, how am I supposed to do this? I'm not a public speaker. I don't speak. How am I supposed to lead a group of people? And what did God say to him? Alas, sovereign Lord, Jeremiah said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. Young people, we're doing youth service today. A lot of, a lot of, at the beginning when we started, there were so many people who were like, I'm too shy. I don't think I can do that. And today they did because they're living in God's plan today. And we thank God for that. I thought someone was going to clap for them. Jeremiah said, I am too young. And what did God say to Jeremiah in the verse 7? What did God say to Jeremiah in the verse 7? God says, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you in the verse 8. Do not be afraid of them. And what does God say? I want you guys to tell me what he says. 
without even the words being on there, he says, for I am with you. And throughout the whole Bible, God has made promises. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And here's Gideon in a position where the angel of the Lord himself is right in front of him and telling you, I am going to make you this. And he says, pardon, because he was looking at his situation. The last time I was here, throughout the whole of last month, God, pastor has been preaching to us about purpose. And what's your purpose? Knowing your purpose, standing your purpose, living in your purpose. But I take that back and I say, how can you live in your purpose unless you start to accept what God has planned for you? And see, the wonderful part about God is he doesn't even need to be with us. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. God doesn't have to do anything, but he chooses to. He chooses to. Throughout the whole of scripture, he has given us promises. He says, I will be with you. He says to them, I will be with you. Even to the very last time Jesus ascended back into heaven, what did he say? He says, I will be with you always. Not even back in then, God always says, I will be with you and left it there. But Jesus concluded and said, always. Meaning even when I'm not here and you cannot see me physically, I am always with you. And then it goes and say, See, the, the wonderful part about God is he, he, you know, he, chooses, he chooses to be there. And despite your weaknesses, despite your many flaws, a lot of us will sit there and say, I'm not qualified. I can sit here and say, I'm not qualified to stand on this stage. I'm not qualified to stand on this stage, but it is by the grace of God that I am here. This is my first time, like I said from the beginning. I have never stood here to preach to anybody. But it is by the grace of God that he is here. And I am trusting that he is with me. And see, bear with me. God's answer is the same answer he has for all of us. He says, I am with you. So I don't know what it is that you are doubting God for. He is telling you, I am with you. In the verse 16, the Lord answers, I will be with you. You will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. Not God, not only did he say, I will be with you. But he says, I will be with you to the extent that the enemies, the people that torment you will not torment you anymore. He says, I, he didn't say, I will be with you and you will go and fight these people. And don't worry if you don't fight all of them. You tried your best. God didn't say, you're going to be the first one in your, in, in your family to go to university. But don't worry, when you get there, the student finance and the assignments are too tough, you will get through it. He says, I am with you to the very end of it. So much so, I am with you that the thing, the, the, the obstacle in your way, not only am I going to clear it, I am going to clear all of it. Not some of it, not a part of it, but all of it. But the thing about us is, and the thing about what Gideon was doing is, and a lot of people in the scriptures were doing is, 
They were just using this word, I, I. But God, I cannot. But God, I can't do this. Gideon even said, how can I save Israel? See, that's the thing about God is when he says, I am with you. It's insinuating that it's not by your strength that you're going to do what you're going to do. It is not by your strength that you're going to do what you're going to do. And after some convincing in Gideon's story, after some convincing, he decides to finally respond to God's calling. But it took a lot of convincing, mind you. If you read through the whole of the chapter 6, he even asked, he says, show me this sign. Show me this. He had to, the, or the angel said, you know, do the sacrifice. Even Gideon went as far as to say, what did Gideon say? Ask me. It says, if I have now found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. Makes me wonder how many times has God been speaking to me that I have thought it was something else. Goes to show you the play that we just had at the beginning. The child of God was watching TV. I thank God for that child of God because he's susceptible to the, the, voice, of, the voice of God. How many, some of us, we don't even know. It's like some of us are still learning what God sounds like. It's not always audible. Sometimes it comes through another person. And we're always looking for signs. And that's okay. We're human beings at the end of the day. We have to see. Even when Jesus was around, the people who had spent their whole thousand and how many years waiting for Jesus, even when Jesus was sat amongst them, they did not even recognize him. So much so, the man died, rose again, and his closest, I'm talking closest person. Imagine you have lived, you have a best friend. You do everything together. And then... You say, oh, I'm going to get 100% in this. I'm going to get that promotion. And then your friend goes, well, I would have to see it for her to believe it. Doesn't that just sound very disheartening? Even Jesus' time, when just before, he had died. They saw him die. They buried him. And even when he was in front of them, his own knew him not. Thomas doubted and that's completely fine because at the end of the day we're humans we have to see to believe and so throughout the whole of the chapter the chapter 6 it goes on to the angel reveals himself and there's a whole there's a whole lot that happens in that chapter 6 but then the chapter 7 is where God's plan just starts to look a bit huh remember we talked about huh that pardon started to come in a bit more again. And God's plan just seemed to just lack, it just lacked sense. How many of us, our parents have asked you, you say something and they come and ask you, do you have sense? Like, what you're asking me, have you thought about it? And in the chapter 7, verse 1, so at this point, Gideon finally believes, yay, we thank God for that. Now it's time for Gideon to now take position for what he's been called to do. And and then at this point, 
you know, God, God tells him, you have too many. So Gideon gathers a number of men, okay? He gathers a number of men. And God says to him, you have too many men. Too many men. You're going to a big battle. And Gideon gathers an army of 3,200. But God says to him, that's too many. Imagine you're going to find your, you're going to fight your biggest battle. I'm talking you have a, more than the numbers even you have. And God comes to you and tells you, you have too many. What are you going to ask? Huh? Pardon? I'm sorry, what? He says, yes. And then the Lord says to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into your hands or Israel will boast against me. God knew that if he had gone with all these men and they had delivered, they had delivered the Israelites, they will come back. God, see, God, yeah, he knows you. He knows his people. He knew they were going to come back and say, oh, I did that. Boast in their own. So God had to do something. And he says, now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. Just that sentence alone, 22,000 men left. Imagine you went to battle with these people. If one sentence can let these people run away, imagine what would have happened had they gone to battle. See, these are not trusted men. Just by one sentence alone, 22,000 men left. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many. You're like, huh? 10,000 men is still too many? God says, yes. So Gideon, he said, God said to him, take them down to the water and I will thin, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go, shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord said to him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Huh? I want you guys to say huh to me when it doesn't make sense to you. Because it doesn't. And then the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that, la- that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites. So now this man started with 32,000 and now he's down to 300 men. How? What's your reaction? Huh? Pardon? I'm sorry, what? Excuse me. Thank you. So Gideon sent the rent of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 men and took, them, and took over provisions and, trump, and, and basically he did what he was instructed. Now the camp of the Median lay below him in the valley. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give you into, I am going to give it to your hands. Huh? What do you mean I should walk to my enemy's territory and you just give it to me just like that? But Gideon trusted in the Lord and he went. And when he went, he just so happened to hear two of the most, you know, the, the leaders of the, the, that army discussing a dream that one of them had. And the Midianite and the Amalekite and all the other Eastern had settled in the valley. So basically he was explaining his dream. 
So Pharaoh, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people who had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived as the men were telling his friends of a dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came trembling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. What's your reaction? Huh? Pardon? And when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and he worshipped. How is a loaf of bread going to save them at this point? And then there's a lot that goes on and then God is instructed them. And with his 300 men, he did not even have to lift a finger. He just did as he was instructed. God gave them specific instructions and told them, when you get there, just blow trumpets. I ask nothing of you, but just blow trumpets. Guys, imagine someone is coming to kill you and God is telling you to blow a trumpet. How? How does that make sense? It's a huh moment. It's a I'm sorry moment. It's excuse me. What do you mean? Someone is coming to kill me. I should blow trumpet. How exactly is that going to save me? And at this point, God's, God's plan lacked logic. But they still obeyed. And how many of us, when God is telling us to do something and it doesn't look the way we want, it just doesn't make sense to our human minds. It just doesn't make sense to the situation we're in. And we decide to disobey God. But the thing about disobeying that is like, it, it goes on to say, it's like, how many of us are saying, oh, my family is too broken? Oh, my anxiety is too much. I can't do that. I'm too shy. I've never spoken before. I've never done this before. But God says, that's no excuse. That's not an excuse. And God, through God and, you know, listening to them, they won. So much so, not only did they win, their oppressors ran. They ran so far from them, they did not even have to lift a finger. Do you know what happened? The oppressors started fighting themselves. Just by what Gideon did. Just by blowing the trumpet with his men. And just by following in God's instruction. Not only did they win, they won so much that the oppressors could not be found anymore around them. And today what I want to say to someone is what are you trusting God for and in your moment of trusting in your moment of of waiting on God's plan to come into fruition what are you doing in that moment see the thing with God's plan it just it just does not flow with our humanly our humanly world plans and first John chapter 4 verse 4 says greater is the one that is in you than that of the world God is telling you that I am greater I am in you so whatever I say it is that you can do you can do and in Psalm 23 verse 1 we have said this so many times I'm sure we all learned it in 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 um in Bible study the Lord is my shepherd how can you pray this prayer the first line alone the Lord is my shepherd so I lack nothing so why are you now saying I have no money when you've just prayed that prayer you just said that script you you just said that verse Psalm 33 verse 10 to 11 if you can't read it it's just right here behind my shirt which is what we're, we, our basis of this is on 
And my thing is, what instructions has God given you? Psalm 33 verse 10, it says, The Lord foils his plans of the enemies, of the, of, the, of the nations, I'm sorry. He thwarts the purpose of the people, but the plans of God stays firm. It is not shaken. It does not move. And it stays throughout all generations. So God's plan for you right now stays throughout generation. In your obeying in God's plan today, you never know. It goes throughout generations. Your children, your children's children, and your children's children's children prosper because you trusted in God's plan. And that's all I'm going to leave you with today. What are you trusting God with? And so we're going to pray. We are going to pray. And I know we have gone over time, but we re- I, I really want us to pray. And I want all the young people to pray. We haven't just done this just for the sake of doing it. There's a reason, there's a plan that we're here. When I left here four years ago, I had plans. I'm going to become a midwife. I'm going to study this. Oh, I went into that midwifery school and I didn't like it. It was a whole different situation. And I got so relaxed in my situation. I got so comfortable that when I left that midwifery course, I said, it's not for me. I'm going back to my old job. Guess what happened? I lost my old job. And for someone who is always planning, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. But at the same time at church, I'm saying, God, I want to have more time for you. I want to spend more time with you. But I was doing 12 hour shifts, midnight, And then saying, God, I want to do this. I want to be able to do it. And so God said, okay, sure, bet. I'll give it to you. You're asking. So here you go. I lost my job. But then I found another one. In a way that it allows me to be here today. My old job, I couldn't even request Sundays off. Because what you got is what you got. Your junior stuff, what you got is what you got. And today, I thank God because right now I can stay here because my weekends are off. I've been able to come here to, 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 to partake in all the practice that we've been doing. And that's the thing about God's plan. It doesn't make sense till you start living it. And so today, I want us to pray. Can we we all be upstanding as we pray? And we want to pray and ask God, show me your plan. Show me what it is that you're trying to tell me. Show me, God, however weird it looks. However much I say, huh? However much I say, excuse me, pardon me. What are you trying to say, God? I want you to show it to me. However way it looks, even if it means you open open my eyes, oh Lord. So I want to hear you pray. I want to hear us all pray. Young people, I want to hear you pray today. You did so good today, but you want to pray and ask God, God, it does not end here. God, show me your plan for tomorrow. Show me your plan for when I go back to school and I'm with my friends. God, show me what does that look like? Show me your plan in my families. Show me your plan in my school. Show me your plan in my church God what are you calling me to do and so God we ask the Father may you reveal your plans to us oh Lord Father just as you reveal to Gideon Lord may you reveal it to us and Father as you reveal it to us oh Lord open our hearts open our minds open our eyes that we may be receptive Father to what you're saying continue to pray in the spirit I cannot hear you pray church I want you to pray in the spirit and ask that God will show you his plan Father Lord we ask that you show us your plan oh Lord and a second prayer I want us to pray is to pray for the Holy. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes so much so that when God shows you your plan, 
You don't overlook it and think, oh, this plan is from the enemy or this is not God. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes so much so that you have an eyes that is so pure, an eye that can see God's plan when it's right in front of you, even when it lacks, even when it lacks wisdom, even when it lacks, it, it lacks logic. You want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you that plan. And so church, I want you to pray. I want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, may you open our eyes. Holy Spirit, we ask that may you give us a receptive mind. We ask that may you give us a receptive heart in the mighty name of Jesus. And finally, I want all the older people to go up to one of the young people. I want 